0: Welcome on in Eagles fans to episode 7 of the No Huddle Show, our Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. We are reacting, this is a Tuesday morning, reacting to Monday Night Football, and Eagles lost 26-24 at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons and upset the Eagles go down, did not play well in the first half. We have a lot to talk about here on this podcast. Elliott Shore Parks, Mark Eckel with us as always. Remember, follow this show on Twitter at Elliott Shore Parks at markechol 8 at Joe Sports, iTunes, and of course Stitcher as well. You can follow us and you can be part of this show every single week. Uh, Guys, we talked all summer about this being a good season. It's off to uh, not a great start here. We'll start with Elliot, 26-24 loss last night at the Georgia Dome. Your initial thoughts, and then we'll break all this down, Elliot. Uh,
1: Man, I mean, there's a lot to take from it. It's hard to wrap it up into one, but I guess – I guess my initial thought is just I'm surprised. I mean, I was pretty confident going into the game that this Eagles team was better than the Falcons team, and I do still think they are. But what surprised me was how little they were able to get going on the offensive and defensive line. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, they did get some pressure at points, but for the most part he was able to sit back there. And on the flip side, you know, I think Bradford was under – under pressure quite a bit. And those were two things I didn't think were going to happen. So that was probably my, my biggest surprise from the game. And then overall, I think I'm just surprised they lost. I mean, I, you know, I, all all training camp and through preseason, this team looked really good, um, both on offense and, and defense. And then I don't really think any part of the team played up to how they played in training camp or, or preseason. I didn't think Bradford was as good. I didn't think the secondary was as good. The running game was was atrocious. So, I mean, really, I don't know if it's just – First game jitters, or if this is just what it's going to be like now that it's the regular season. But um, yeah, I mean, I think all all facets of the team, you know, were disappointed.
0: Elliot was surprised. Mark, how about you? What's the initial reaction, initial emotion after watching uh, Monday Night Football last night?
2: I'm not. I I wasn't. I mean, I said all along this was a tough spot. I mean, all my friends and the people on you know people I don't know, but they think they know me from Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You know, oh, this is easy. You're gonna blow them out. No, first on the Monday night on the road. Have you ever heard? I mean, I don't know if you, you guys tend to bet a little bit, but home <laughs> dog on Monday night—they're like eighty percent. Home dogs on Monday night. Both of them last night. Two home dogs, not just not just cover, but went out right. It's a tough spot. It's always tough. An opening night. I mean, it was a tough, tough spot. Now, so I'm not surprised. I did, I, I mean, if Parky makes that field goal, my score is almost exactly, I almost have the exact score. So I wasn't surprised by any of that. But What I w- was surprised by, and as I wrote this morning, six things that su- su- surprised me, um, Monday morning, Tuesday, morning, I don't even know what day it is, um, is just the way that the things, that, the way the Eagles did things, you know, not using Murray enough, um, Parky missing a very makeable field goal, um, Byron Maxwell looking like Bradley Fletcher 2.0. You know things like that, and and they're the things that long term you have to worry about. I'm not worried that they lost to the Falcons on the road. I mean, Seattle lost this week, Pittsburgh lost this week. Um, Who else? Another team that's supposed to make the play. You know that that you expect to make the playoffs. Colts. Uh, Colts, Yeah, that's the one. Three. You know, four teams that most people pick to win their divisions this year all started off 0-1. So it's not that being 0-1 is certainly not the end of the world. But the kicker, the secondary. Demarco Murray. Those things, if they linger, if 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 that continues, there could be a rough and long season for uh, Chip Kelly and the boys.
1: Well, the difference. The difference, though, I will say, between the Eagles and those other teams that lost is, during the preseason and training camp, and on this podcast, you know, the, we we always talked about how many questions there were on the team and how many unknowns. And then for the past month or six weeks, those unknowns have looked really good. So it was, you know, you were able to feel confident about the team and like you said it's just I'm sure the Colts people felt confident too right <laughs> but, I, I, but the difference is the Colts have Andrew Luck and the Colts have proven success together and the
2: Colts it's- lost a division game that's worse and no, i'm sorry no they lost to the Bills i'm sorry
1: right yeah no well, but, but right but well, my point is the Colts if you're a Colts fan you still feel confident because you have Andrew Luck and you have a team that made the AFC championship game last year and i'm not saying you shouldn't feel confident anymore if you're an Eagles fan my only point is when you have so much up in the air, it's easy to go from looking at looking at it one way to looking at another. I mean, you know, Sam Bradford looked amazing during training camp, but now, you know, it's perfectly fair. He was going scary. against Byron Maxwell. <laughs> of course he looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, he's going against Eagles secondary. Um, but, uh, I mean, then, you know, so he looked good in training camp in the preseason games. But then you look at him last night, and he looked more like the player he's been through the first five years of his career, which was, yeah, he did have a lot of passing yards, but... He, you know he didn't win number one, so he's used to playing from behind. But number two, I mean, you know he was very he was inaccurate in the first half. I think he, his passing percentage was let, was right around fifty percent. And yet he had a good second half. But at that point, they were in such a hole. I mean, you know, what is it really what does it really matter? And you know, and the other thing is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more, but the one thing that's really worrisome to me, more than just a one game thing, is this whole Demarco Murray situation. I mean, like, yes. Because with that, you look at training camp in the preseason. I mean, when he wasn't getting first team reps during the pre during training camp, everyone explained it away as, oh, you know, uh, uh, he's you know just getting rest, or you know he had a cold or whatever it was. But now it's like he only plays thirty four snaps yesterday, which is a little less than half of the offensive snaps. He's not in there on that big third and one play. He did have two touchdowns, but he only had nine carry nine nine yards on eight carries. I mean it just kind of feels like this whole DeMarco Murray situation didn't feel like it was off to a good start to begin with. And now after one week, it looks even worse. So I guess, you know, how worried should fans be, I don't know. But I guess my point what I'm, what I'm trying to make is when things are so up in the air like they are with the Eagles and they're so unproven, it's easy to go back and forth as opposed to those other teams you mentioned that at least have some solid foundation in which to rest, uh, you know, your your hope upon.
0: Right, and this was supposed to look different, and as both of you pointed out there, and we can touch on all the different aspects of it, it didn't look that different. The one thing that stood out to me watching that game was how similar the, just the, feel, the flow of the game and the feel of the game was to that game they lost in Washington against the Redskins in week 16 last year. They had the kicker miss at a big field goal. They had a big interception late in the game. They had penalties. They had the secondary was awful. And the run-to-pass ratio, which I guess we could start with here because you guys mentioned Bradford and Murray. I mean, I know they were down in the first half going into halftime, so they had to try to get their way back in the game. But guys, 52 passes for Sam Bradford, and they ran the ball a total of 16 times. That doesn't feel right, even though the, the game... Know went a certain way, Mark. How about the run-pass ratio, Murray to Bradford? I and mean, all that that went into it on
2: Monday night. That was one of my things too. Yeah, I mean, and you're right; they fell behind, but it was 27-7 at halftime. Pass run, 27-7. So they, the run. But you know, you this was Andy Reid. This was like this looked like a typical. This was like 2012, 20. You know, when the, the bad Andy Reid teams where he he would just abandon the run and just you know throw every down. And that's not, and I didn't think that was going to happen at all this year. I mean, when you go out and and get DeMarco Murray, last year's NFL leading rusher, and and pay him, you know, good, real good money. When you go out and get Ryan Matthews as a free agent, you know, I I I was I was real surprised that you can't win throwing. Sam Bradford's not supposed to throw the ball 52 times. He's just not. Not, and, and no quarterback is really. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw the ball 52 times. He's the best quarterback in football. You don't want that. You I mean. No, that was a, That was terrible. And, the, the, and Murray, you know Murray eight for nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the best again, and the best player on the field last night for the Eagles was Darren Sproles again.
1: And then the other the other thing is, I mean, you mentioned the you know fifty-two times throwing, and if you look at Chips two years and now one game as head coach of the Eagles, it, you can make the argument the best stretch of football this team's ever played was those eight or nine games where Foles was you know playing above his head and all that. Mm-hmm. So, but if you look at those games, it's because Foles was only throwing the ball thirty, thirty-two times really? during that stretch. And then last year, um, you know, Foles was, was throwing it up fifty, fifty ah. times. And as Mark said, it's not it's not really a slight on Sam Bradford, but if you're any quarterback and you throw the ball over fifty times, bad things are eventually going to happen. And that's exactly what happened with. And you know, me and Mark talked about this uh, last night um, in the press box that. Um, That's what happened with Sanchez last year against that game against the Redskins where, you know, he had a very good game. He led them back. I think he had two touchdowns in the second half. Um, But then eventually you throw it enough, bad things are going to happen, and that's exactly what happened with Bradford. I mean, you know, we could talk about that last interception and you can place blame on whoever you want, but the reality is, the ball was intercepted, no matter how you slice it. I mean, I don't think it was a good throw to Matthews. I think it was high.
2: It was yeah, he was wild he was he was wild high all, all night, I thought, to be honest with
1: you. Right. And that it's a lot like the uh first preseason game against the Colts where he was throwing high or yeah, what well, was it against the Ravens? Where he, cool.
2: was, well, he didn't play against Colts.
1: He didn't play against Colts, yeah. But um where he was throwing high all all day against the Ravens and he said, you know, that was because of uh he was just excited. So I guess he was excited again last night. But um you know you know to get back to the uh, run pass ratio though Bradford himself said he was surprised with how with how much they threw the ball and what was a little concerning to me as he said well you know when you fall down behind so much you have to you know you have to throw the ball and it's like well no you don't you know you, you can stick to the game plan i mean this is supposed to be a running team um and they they were only behind i, I think the most they were ever down was
2: 17, 17
1: points so I mean that that's you know it's not a small deficit, but it's the first half and they just completely abandoned the run. So, you know, after all that offseason talk about how this team's going to be good because Bradford's going to have a good running game to lean on, he's not going to throw it as much. That just completely all went out the window last night, and it was amazing how quickly it just they just abandoned it.
2: Well, wh- wh- worse than abandoning it, which they did, was I and kind of because it didn't. I mean, other than Sproles was great, five carries, fifty yards. That's that's tremendous. That's unbelievable. But Eight Murray eight for nine. Matthews three for four. That's not getting it done. And I, you I I I, I want to watch it again. You know, was it the line? I mean, I Andrew Gardner looked like a guy that should not be starting at any, in in the NFL. I mean, I, a couple times I did watch him. He got run over a couple times on pressure. Um, they were behind him
1: on that key third and look.
2: One when when and we'll and we'll get to that. Why why did they, I mean? And I like Ryan Matthews, but. If Demarco Murray is your guy, and he, and you're paying him to be one of his, the guy in the league almost at running back, I mean, and he's he doesn't get the call on third and one and the biggest play to the game. I mean, and then the funny thing is, Chip says Chip says after the game, well, you know, I didn't know who was in there. Or he, says he said something. He knew. He's, he was asked um, why Mur, why Matthews and not Murray, and he said, well, he was the guy that was in the game at the time. I don't think Chip, you know we we put numbers on people like like we say you know well Murray's the, the number 1 back and Matthews is number 2 and Sproles is 3 and the receivers are the same i think Kip just they're all running i don't i don't think he i don't think he puts numbers I, I think he just thinks everybody's the same but the bottom line is they're not getting paid the same and they're not the same i mean you you know you can
1: make the argument you know that this offense is meant to sub people in and out and all that but DeMarco Murray is a better player especially in a 3rd and 1 situation than than Ryan Matthews. So I get this whole, you know, you're running to play, you don't care who's in there, do your thing, whatever. But on the flip side of that, it's it's almost a little irresponsible not to, before a huge play like that, to take a look at who your personnel is and decide what the best situation is for your team. Now, he could just be lying and, and saying that, and, you know, a lot of coaches
2: do that after the game. But well, what's the truth? Yeah, well, what I'm what's saying is... He thought Matthews was a better... Obviously he did, right? I mean, Yeah, I mean, he did that during training camp,
1: so maybe it is the truth. I, I don't know, but it's just weird that you, you bring a guy in, you pay him all this money, he's supposed to be one of the best running backs in the league, huge third-in-one play, and he's
2: not on the field. And that's why they got him, right? I mean, that's what we were told, right. as we were led to believe, the reason they got rid of Shady McCoy, well, he's not that, he's not Chip's kind of guy. He dances too much, he loses too many yards, Some too, too many negative runs, blah, 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 blah about Shady. Well, I never saw, first of all, I never saw Shady lose 12 on one play like <laughs> and i see Katie Shady pick up a lot of first downs also, so I don't, I don't know, I, I, I DeMarco Murray's going to be an interesting story all year for us.
0: He is, and you guys mentioned there knowing your personnel, let's go into the last drive, the last few plays, you were mentioning it there, and I want to talk about the, the decision to make the kick with Cody Parkey, to go for the kick with Cody Parkey, 44 yarder, uh fourth and one there, but to me, the problem was it was twofold for me. It felt rushed. It felt like Parkey was rushed coming on the field as Chip tried to make the decision. He could have used a the timeout there. He didn't do it. And then two, you know, knowing your personnel, Parkey had the groin issue in uh, in training camp during the summer. They say he's okay now, uh, but that whole thing just felt off to me. I'm not sure if they should have went for it. What did you guys think in the moment? And now that you've had a um, little time to react,
2: you have to kick. I was saying it right there in air. You have no, you have to kick. If he's not healthy, then he shouldn't. Then he should have been put down in another kicker sign this week a kicker has to make a 44 yard field goal in a dome that's like a 34 yard field goal outside I mean you know there's no There's not kicker for if you can't make a 44 yard field goal then get on with your life's work I mean you know don't you don't belong in in the NFL I'm I'm not gonna say after one I mean if you can't make that on a regular basis and then Probably nine times out of 10, Parky will make it, but he missed it. This was the 10th, he missed it. No, you have to make it. If I'm a coach and my kicker – if I can't trust my kicker to make a 44-yard field goal inside, perfect weather condition, perfect everything, then I need a new kicker.
1: And I I thought Chip made a good point after the game where he said, you know, we weren't getting any push. I mean, we we, we just talked about that third and one play where apparently Chip doesn't care who runs it. So you're both not getting any push and you don't even know who's going to be carrying the ball. So I can kind of see how if you're Chip – I mean, you know, for a number of reasons it makes sense to kick the ball. One, you, you take the lead. I think there was only, what, a little over two minutes to go at that point in the game. So you take the lead. You take the points. But I think Chip's point was good that, you know, everyone says go for it, go for it. But they were having a horrible time running the ball all game. So you're, now you're now you're talking about trying to throw it, and that's a little bit of a riskier proposition on, on a short yard it's thing like that.
0: It is. And now the offensive line to me becomes the question because you just mentioned uh, they weren't getting pushed there, and Bradford was getting a hit a lot in the first half uh, Chip was on WIP on Tuesday morning and he talked about, that was one of the first things he was asked about and talked about was, you know, they asked him about Bradford and he said the offensive line wasn't really, you know, given him much time in the first half. What about the offensive line on Monday night, guys? I mean, look, I didn't think they were very good. You mentioned Gardner, Mark, and I also yeah. thought a couple times uh, Beasley, the rookie pass rusher, first round pick, uh, you know, from Clemson to go to the Falcons, he got around Peters and you don't see that often. I mean, we talked about it during the summer, if Peters slips even a little bit, it will make the whole line you know worse. They need him to be an A plus player. I didn't think the line played very well. It showed in the first half, showed the whole game with the running game. Mark, your thoughts. Offensive line as a whole, first night.
2: Well I'll say this. Fifty-two pass plays, no sacks. So there is that. If 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 you want to hang your hat on something, that that's pretty impressive. That if you can throw the ball fifty-two times and not get sacked. Now but on the other, on the flip side there was pressure, like you said. This Beasley kid's going to be something special. By the way, let me just say that right now, he's going to be a special player. He, I watched him a little bit last night too. He's he's quick. Uh, he's he, you know. I'm not going to. I'm not just defending Jason Peters here, but, but Beasley's going to be a real good player. Um, yeah, I mean the line. I mean even Jason Kelsey, who I think is one of the best centers in the game, had a t- had a bad penalty on that last drive. That that I think rolls ran down to like in, inside the ten, right? That was the same. It brought that that play back. back. I mean, a lot of penalty in. The offensive line, you know, overall had a rough night against not a great Atlanta front. I mean, like I said, Beasley, I think he's a rookie playing his first game. I think he's going to be really good. Those other guys on the Atlanta front, I mean, that wasn't the, the steel curtain, guys. That wasn't a... The fearsome foursome. I'm I'm throwing out in terms that Elliot wasn't born yet for, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so, up. Um, I mean, that wasn't. They're going to see better defenses than they saw last night.
1: I mean, I'll say you know, without the luxury of having watched the game again, just just watching it live, I don't think the offensive line is why they lost the game. I mean, I there were Bradford definitely took some hits and he stood in there a few times and delivered the ball. And I'm not saying he wasn't under pressure, but I didn't get the feeling that the reason they lost, at least in the passing game. Was because of the offensive line. I mean, maybe the, I, when you look at the running game, obviously it's hard to say they, they had a good they had a good game because they they couldn't run the ball. But I just I didn't get the feeling that Bradford was you know inhibited because of the offensive line. That's just that was just my my opinion though. I mean, I think you can make an argument. I think in reality, I mean, the penalties really killed them more than their play. But you know, I'm I'm looking at this now. You know, Bradford the offensive line allowed three quarterback hurries in 52 attempts and six quarterback hits in 52 attempts. So that is a really horrible um, but I, I think the expectation was that this offensive line you know was going to be better but in reality I mean you know you're starting two players at guards who are journeymen NFL and who are journeymen. So uh, yeah, overall I don't, I don't think they were they were anything special but I don't think they were the reason the Eagles lost the game.
0: No I don't think they were either. You're right. I, I agree with the way you put it there. They weren't anything special. Probably not the reason they lost the game but as far as Bradford behind them, because the first half, there was more pressure. The second half, he was getting the ball out quickly, and he was really good in the second half up until that last you know, drive where they threw the interception. But the one thing I noticed, and I'm sure you guys did too, I mean, did the Eagles take a shot down the field? It felt like everything was underneath, and it felt like the wide receivers outside of Jordan Matthews, who everyone will talk about the drop that became an interception. He had a big game. No other wide receiver. Basically, did anything last night? Was that do you think by design, or did Bradford just want to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible to the backs, tight ends, and Matthews? The other wide receivers did nothing. I remember uh,
1: during training camp talking to a guy on the sideline who, uh, an NFL guy, who had seen every every Sam Bradford game in St. Louis, and he was told he told me that the Bradford's nickname was just a guy around like the circle he he hangs with, and. <laughs> One of the reasons he said that was because exactly what you said, Joe. I mean, he dinks and dunks it and all he does is check it down. So at the time, I mean Bradford was playing really well and I you know, I thought it was interesting I didn't take much from it, but after watching last night, I think it's a combination. I think there's a couple there's a couple things at play. One, I do think he has a tendency to check the ball down. I mean, I think there's just no denying that. I don't think I'd have to look, but I don't think that he attempted a pass over thirty yards, and if he did, there maybe was one.
2: He didn't um, but, he didn't do
1: but the other the other part of it, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Bradford attempted one pass over 20 yards last night, so that was it. Um, but uh, out of 52. Um, but the other part of it is, I do think this is part of the the play design, and I do think the Eagles' receivers that that's what Chip wants to do. Chip wants to get them quick, get them the ball quickly, get it to them in space, and have them miss tack and have them break tackles. And so that was partly the game plan, but. I mean, look, there's no denying. We talked about this last year when Sanchez came in, and to a certain degree, of Foles was in there. The Eagles have to get the ball down the field. I mean, you have to stretch the field. And Bradford did, did not do that last night on Monday.
2: Can, can somebody tell me the difference between Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez? <laughs> oh, my God, don't get me started on this. I'm just, I'm not, I mean, what you just said is what everybody ripped Sanchez for last year. To, you know, he can't throw the ball downfield. Like, well, maybe Bradford can, but he didn't. So what's the difference? No, I, I I think that's fair. I mean, I you know, and again,
1: this comes back to the whole training camp, how he looked versus, you know. Bradford was a big question mark coming into this season for a lot of reasons, not just his health. I mean, Bradford has not been a winning quarterback in the NFL, you know. He hasn't put up amazing stats, but he looked so good, and, you know, let's not forget the epic 10 passes he threw against Green Bay. So he's looked so good at times that it was easy to say, all right, this is going to work. And then, you know, you talk about how quarterbacks play better under Chip traditionally with Foles, although Foles looked pretty good against Seattle. But um
2: so Can we forget the preseason in the Green Bay game and, and not ever reference that again? Well that might be the season highlight, so I don't know. No, no, it's not even a preseason. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers did not play that night. Green Bay said if Aaron Rodgers not playing, we're not playing. We don't care. <laughs> All right? That's let's let us let us get that out.
1: Alright, I mean, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, you know, you asked the difference between Bradford and Sanchez. I mean I didn't see a big difference last night. I mean, Brad, here's what I would say. Bradford played very, very well in the second half. I don't think Sanchez could ever complete 20 of 22 passes over a span. But ultimately – He's only yeah. him five, six yards. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I don't know. I, I debated the Sanchez-Bradford thing all offseason, so I'm kind yeah, of hesitant. starting to look a little better with that. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, well, you know, I'm right all the time, so that's all that matters. But, um, no, I mean, look, I mean, we, we, we said this last night on the way back from the game. If, they, if Bradford plays like he did on Monday, this Sunday against the Cowboys, the Eagles are not going to win the game. They're not going to win the game. I think they can. I don't think so.
2: No, you don't. I, I think
1: he has to be better. I think he has to be better. I mean, look, you met, we, we just talked about it. one pass over 20 yards. He had, out of his 52 attempts, I'm, I'm doing this now. So at his 52 attempts, 11 were beyond the line of scrimmage. Or no, I'm sorry,
2: 11 were beyond
1: 10 yards. So he was just basically digging his
2: Sanchez. (laughs) This is the numbers that Sanchez did. It's the exact same game, right? It is is the
0: exact same. It's the exact same. They talked, I'm I'm not sure if you guys heard it because you were in the press box and you were there at the game, but they, on the broadcast, on the Mine Night Football broadcast, I believe they had a stat, I think Gruden had it, that during Sam Bradford's career in St. Louis so far, 70% 70% of his attempts are within 10 yards. I mean, like Elliot was saying a few minutes ago, this has been Sam Bradford's career. This is what he does. Right. So and, and, and he doesn't win. It's
1: not a winning combination. That's not how you win in the NFL. It's a pass. A and Sam Bradford, what's his record now, Elliot? 18-31-1. 1830,
0: so, It will take a while to even that one out.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's all right. When, when they win 19 more games this year or whatever, they'll win 18 more games. It'll, it'll, it'll be even now. But, no, I mean, look, it's one game. It is what it is. But, again, it just goes back to the thing where when you have a lot of uncertainty on the team, it's very easy to, to go back and forth as to what the reality is. And as Mark said, look, the preseason is the preseason. I mean, you know, it, preseason generally doesn't end up being meaning much. So if you only look at this team in last night's game, which is the one real meaningful game they've played, Secondary is not improved. Bradford was average, I would say, maybe slightly above average. The running game is a disaster. An offensive line you know, is what it is. So, the
2: kicker missed
1: a 44-yard field goal. And the kicker missed a field goal. So really, almost all the questions you had about this team going into the season, in training camp, it looked like they were answered. In the one meaningful game where it actually mattered, it looked like none of those problems were fixed. And, and you know, not to mention – the turnovers again is a big problem. Last year, the Eagles led the league in, in interceptions from quarterbacks. Two last night, one at the very end of the half that I believe led to a touchdown, or at least it definitely led to points. And then, um, you know, it, it ends the game on an interception. So it's it's the same as last year. It's the same team. It looks like the same team as last year. That being said, they won ten games last year. So
0: you know, so we have to kind of take a step back and and we kind of look at the offense of what it was last night. The second half, they're better. Let's jump to the defense here because this has been a big part of the conversation since last night all the way through. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday morning right after the Eagles' Monday Night Football loss to the Falcons. All right, guys, I mean, the Eagles spent a lot of money to go out and bring Byron Maxwell here uh, to be their number one corner. He's the fifth highest paid cornerback in the NFL. Uh, No one expects him to be Darrell Reavers or Deion Sanders in their prime, but you do expect him to be an upgrade over last year. And you watch what Julio Jones did to him all night on Monday night. I mean, how concerned right now about Byron Maxwell should Eagles fans be? Because that's a great wide receiver he went against, and I understand he's great, but he didn't really have a chance. Most of those receptions, Jones was just well past him. And even Roddy White, when he was matched up on him, ran past him. Elliot? You know, when they signed Byron Maxwell, I wrote – that I didn't think it
1: was a huge upgrade from Kerry Williams. And if you look at the stats throughout their career, and you know it's hard with cornerbacks, sometimes it's hard to really look at the stats and break down play, but he hasn't been that much better than Kerry Williams. I mean, last night, alright, here's everything you need to know. Dan Quinn was his defensive quarter, coordinator last year in Seattle, right, the Falcons, offense, the Falcons head coach. The Falcons threw it Byron Maxwell 11 times last night, got 10 receptions for 179 yards. So, not only did the and, you know, uh, Byron Maxwell said this early in the week. Not only did the Falcons not try to sign Maxwell this offseason, even though they had one of the worst secondaries in the league last – the worst secondary in the league last year, they come out and throw right at him all night in the first game. So, you know, Maxwell is going to be better than this, I-, I think. But, you know, anybody – you you said it – anybody that thought they were getting Darrell Rivas, they were getting a number one shutdown type of guy, was fooling themselves. I mean, he – He's been marginally better than Kerry Williams throughout his career, and now you're asking him to do what Kerry Williams did last year. I mean, he's a good, he's a really good number two, and, uh, you know, uh, Echo can talk about this more. You know, he, he, he has some good stuff on Maxwell, but, um, you know, he's a good number two. I'm not so sure he's a number one, but the reality is, in the NFL nowadays, you have to pay big money to get these guys, so I don't think the fact that he's a fifth-highest-played fifth cornerback is a huge deal, but, you know, he's, He's another another player. He's got to play way better next week. And luckily, Des isn't playing. So
2: my concern with Byron Maxwell, I have a couple concerns, and not just his play. Was his demeanor after the game? Yeah, like we were interviewing him. A couple of us were interviewing him in the locker room, and the conversation began. And you don't want to go. I mean, the guy had a rough night. You know, you have to kind of be, you know, tiptoe around a little bit. You don't want to be brash and rude, and you know. So he was saying, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, tough one. You know, Julio had a pretty good game. And Maxwell says, really? Well, where's the numbers? And somebody says, well, you have nine for 141 with two touchdowns. And Maxwell's eyes wide, and he says, damn. <laughs> and he starts laughing a little bit. And then somebody says, you know, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? Oh, well, you know, it's one of those things. He's really good, you know. like He didn't, like... I, I, other like people around the team, but not, not, not non-players, were way more upset. Like he was almost like, "Yeah, well, you know," like almost without saying it. Hey, listen, I'm getting paid. I don't care. I get paid the same whether he gets nine for one forty-one or three for thirty-two. I mean, he didn't say that, but I'm almost looking at him and thinking, like, does this guy really care? I mean, he he he's got his Super Bowl ring. He, he, he's been to two Super Bowls. Now he's getting paid, and his quote this week during the week that um when 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 he was asked about You know, would he have wanted to go to Atlanta to play with Quinn again? His quote was, I was going to whoever paid me the most. That's what he said, right? That's his words. Touching. I was going to whoever's going to pay me. Sometimes guys like that, you know, they, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he turns, you know, he comes back and has, you know, does what the Eagles hope he can do, but I I was just as concerned about him in the locker room as I was watching him play.
0: Yeah, I saw the I saw a video, Mark, of the exact exact exchange you're talking about. And I think it's even worse when you see the visual of what right. you just explained with Byron Maxwell. I mean, he, he basically laughed it off. Yeah. You know, it didn't seem like he was that upset about the whole thing. Which, <laughs> Look, I mean, it's a long season. I get it. He's, he shouldn't get totally down. But there has to be some emotion there. And then on top of it, his performance wasn't good. Jones had a big night. But what concerned me more was they were running – routes with Roddy White and he didn't keep up with Roddy White either. I mean Jones is younger and a better player at this point. We know that. Roddy White's still very good, but if Byron Maxwell can't keep up with Roddy White, I'm I'm concerned. Elliot, you thought your thoughts on that? Alright, so here's a here's a
1: really depressing stat for Eagles fans. So <laughs> Maxwell gave up eleven catches or ten catches last night, 179 yards. Bradley Fletcher never gave up more than 168 yards last year, and never more than 10 catches. So he's that already.
0: That might be the most depressing stat you're gonna we're gonna have in this
2: podcast today. So Maxwell's somebody already. Calling, somebody in the press box kept calling him Bradley Maxwell. I don't know who, who that was. <laughs> yeah, that might have been you. But um, I
1: mean, that I mean, so he's already had a worse game than Bradley Fletcher's ever had. And I mean, look, you know, it's the day after the game. I think right now, you know, we talk in five weeks. I think Maxwell ultimately proved to be. A better player than Bradley Fletcher. I mean,
2: will he be better than Carrie Williams?
1: I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, Joe, you mentioned it. It wasn't just Julio Jones. It was it was whoever was he was guarding got thrown at. I mean, he gave up he gave up four catches to Roddy White. He gave up one to Devontae Freeman. He gave up one to Nick Williams. I mean, literally,
2: whoever he was guarding was able to get the ball. And your, your thing's great, Elliot. I mean, I that the guy that knows him. As well as any coach in the league would be Dan would be Dan Quinn right I mean Gus Bradley knows him from the past and then obviously Pete Carroll but those three guys know. and his game plan was oh I know this guy we can go after him I mean, that's scary that's the scary scary thought that the a coach that knows knows him very well his game plan was we're going let's go after this guy I mean I don't know if I don't think Atlanta plays Seattle this year but I'm guessing if they did Quinn wouldn't say okay we're going after Sherman you know I mean Right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Carroll didn't play that well either. So again, the secondary just wasn't good last night. And you can make the argument: yes, they're they're playing Matt Ryan, who you know, who didn't probably, play well. Yeah, but he's probably still a top ten quarterback. But this this was a problem for the defense last year, and really has been the problem since Chip got here. They can't beat good quarterbacks. I mean, I will have to go over it, but I don't think they've ever yeah. won a game where the other team had what you would consider a you know like a top ish quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, they, last year. What Andrew Luck? Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, there was that, and then there was Matthew Stafford the year before in the snow.
2: So, but, but the snow threw it all out of way.
1: Yeah, away. but I mean, again, this and this is why at the beginning of the season, I you know, I guess two days ago before the season started, I said I think the Eagles are the third best team in the NFC, but I don't think they're ready to beat a Seattle or a Green Bay, and it's because Seattle and Green Bay have proven playoff-winning quarterbacks, and the Eagles can't beat those guys. They can't do it. The defense isn't good enough.
0: Well, you talked about the secondary there. And one of the concerns we had, and we talked about this basically the whole summer, including up through last week, wondering what the Eagles were going to do with the nickel, wondering what they were going to do with the slot corner. And we got our answer on Monday night. They kept moving Jenkins down. They kept moving, you know, with one of their safeties down to play in the slot to cover the slot receiver, which meant Chris Maragos was on the field a lot. I mean, by my count, and just off the top of my head watching, he had to be on the field for 30 snaps that game. last night. 36, 36 plays. Oh, So 36, even more than than I kind of estimated there. And uh, look, I did not think he made any dumb errors that cost him a a (laughs) spot, but it's just the fact that he's on the field is not good, right?
1: Yeah, it's a very bad sign. I mean, it, it, it shows the Eagles think Maragos, who's you know, is what he is. He's had a good NFL career. You know, he's a key example of special teams makes some players a lot of money in this league. He's a good special teams player, but he's not somebody you want playing safety. So the Eagles think Chris Maragos is a better safety right now than Eric Rowe as a cornerback. Your second-round pick that you traded up to get, I mean, I don't forget the number, but you're talking about like a top 45-ish pick there in Eric Rowe, or around there. Um, and he can't even get on the field. And then you put E.J. Biggers on the field, a journeyman also. So Rowe's development is clearly not where, it's, where it should be at this point.
0: It isn't. And they're going to need him to figure it out quickly, otherwise they're going to be in some trouble back there. The one thing that we know... Uh, Mark that could cover up what are his issues in the secondary, whether they're Maxwell or the safeties or the slot, whatever, would be a good pass rush. Now, I thought the I thought Fletcher Cox played well on Monday night. I thought the defensive line against the run pretty much held up for the most part. But they didn't. They, they did not get after Matt Ryan enough in my mind.
2: Well, they, Atlanta Max protected all night, and I and which is what I you know I thought they would when I wrote my scouting report last week talking to another coach about the Falcons. He hit it right on the head. He said they're going to max protect. They're not going to let Ryan get get beat up, and and they'll take their shots. And that's what they did. And that's even to me. That's more of, a, of an indictment against the Eagles' secondary because if they're max protected, and by by that I mean they're keeping in the, the, the tight end the block, they're keeping a running back in to a chip whatever you know. They're to, to they're not. So they're only sending two maybe three receivers out every play. You should be able to cover that. You know what I'm saying? If if a team's going to max protect. That means that they don't want. They're going to offset your pass rush. Then your secondary could have a, could have a good day, and they didn't. And that's scary. That to think that you know, Atlanta beat Atlanta beat the Eagles five six defensive backs with two or three wide receivers. That should never. That really shouldn't happen, and it did. And um, Brandon Graham, had uh, he still needs 32 sacks to get 32, right? <laughs> Got 15 games to go to do it. I saw his picture this morning on a milk cart. I don't know <laughs> what that was all about.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, he didn't play well. I mean – Did he play?
2: <laughs> how about – Oh, you know, that's – Did he play? Was he out there?
1: Not to change not to change topics. I mean, I feel like we've been pretty negative. But how about that interception by Kiko Alonzo? I mean, that was – I mean, you know, Mark, Mark said it, and Mark's been covering the team for 30 years. That might be the best interception
0: Mark said he's ever seen. I mean, that was, that was unreal. It was incredible, and it saved the game from getting away from the Marillion. Yeah. I actually thought it was a really good play design and a good route. I mean, the Falcons had to think that was a good matchup for them, getting White on the double move against Alonzo. He just made a, an unbelievable
2: play, Mark. It was also I, a bad when, throw. When he, when he went up, I, I mean, I first said, Oh, nice play by Kiko to break that up. I didn't think he caught it. I thought he just broke it up. And then it, when he came, I, I said, oh, my God, he caught it. I, yeah, I've never, uh, that was, for a linebacker to make, I mean, if that, if he was a, if he was the intended receiver and made a catch like that, I'd say, that looked like Odell Beckham. Making yeah. that. I mean, that's what it looked like, going up one-handed. I, I, I joked with Kiko after the game that if he keeps making plays like that, Chip's going to ask him to play wide receiver. They could use it.
0: They could. He might. All right. Before we, before we move on to some positives, and we'll look forward a little bit to next week, I just want to get your thoughts because you, you triggered something the way you described what the Falcons were doing there, Mark. All right. On the offensive side of the ball, they max protected. Uh, they protected Ryan. They took away the Eagles' pass rush and beat the secondary. And then the other side of the ball, they try to take away the run and make the Eagles beat them with their passing game. Did the Falcons last night? We'll go to Elliot first in this one. Did the Falcons last night? provide a little blueprint to how to defeat this Eagles team, to how to beat this group of Eagles. It's only one week. We have to see it more. But, I mean, that seems to be a pretty good formula the Falcons had to exploit the weaknesses the Eagles have and take away their strengths. Well, it's really been two games. If
1: you look at it as Dan Quinn last year, as, you know, we said, it was a Seattle's defensive coordinator and held the Eagles only like 16 points. Um, you know, and that was with Mark Sanchez at a quarterback. So you can, you know, take from that whatever you will. But this is now twice where, you know, he's – in a lot of ways, shut down the Eagles' offense. The Eagles only had 24 points last night. I don't think that's a lot of points in the NFL today. I mean, you know, the Eagles aren't going to win a lot of games so they only scored 24 points. So I don't know if they provided the blueprint. But, I mean, the other part is, you know, not to get too deep into this, but, you know, I think there's this perception out there that Chip Kelly runs this, like, amazingly complex scheme where, you know, defensive coordinators can't figure it out. Like, no, that's not the case. Chip Kelly runs some pretty – I mean, guys are open, and, but I don't think his schemes are particularly complicated, but it's personnel-driven, so which is why I'm I'm surprised, I'm surprised when he says things like, well, I don't know who's in there on third and one, when really his whole thing since he got here was, you know, he's, he's not X's and O's, he's whatever and Joe's, right? I mean, so I don't know if Dan Quinn provided the blueprint, but certainly in two games, if, if you're the Cowboys next week, you're looking at what the, what the Falcons did uh, on Monday, but not only that, you're looking at what the Seahawks did, did last year.
2: Yeah, I'm, I I kind of I like what you said there, Joe. I think they Atlanta had a Atlanta had a great game plan, and give Dan Quinn and and his staff a lot of credit. They, as much as the Falcons play, you know Julio Jones beat Maxwell and uh, whatever i I got to say, and I'm a I I'm I'm a Chip Kelly fan a little bit, but if if I'm judging coaching last night, Dan Quinn, how coach Chip Kelly, Dan Quinn and his staff did a better job than Chip Kelly and Billy Davis and those guys and. If they did provide a blueprint, they did it with I mean, okay, Jones is a talent of, of one of the best receivers in football. But the Eagles are going to face a lot of good receivers this year. They're also going to face better offensive lines than Atlanta has. They're going to face better tight ends than Jacob Tammy. You know, I mean, so this defense, if if they had a hard time stopping really a one one major weapon in in, in Jones, I mean they're going to see teams that have, you know, a guy maybe not quite as good as Jones, but closer. I mean, they're they're going to see Larry Fitzgerald. They're going to see Megatron in, in Detroit. They're not they're not going to see Des next next week, which is a huge huge break. But they're going to see Odell Beckham. They're going to see you know I can go on and on, and on like, of, of the good wide receivers. But they're also going to see teams that have maybe a better tight end or a back that catches the ball a lot or a better back than than a rookie Tevin Coleman who didn't do bad for his first game. Tevin twenty carries, eighty yards, and some big big first downs along the way there. So yeah, I mean, Atlanta not only put a blueprint out there, but I think other teams are looking at this saying, "Hmm, we can score some points on this equal defense."
1: And you know, you know, to a certain point, it's like I get the whole Julio Jones is a good receiver thing, but I mean, guess what? Like, you after two years of Chip running the program, we can't just keep saying, "Oh, well, the guy they played was really good." Like, you got to get good players at some point too. I mean, Maxwell is a good player, and you know, it's just one game, but you know. The Eagles, this isn't, this isn't directly. You can't just be like, oh, well, that kid over there is really tall, so obviously we're going to lose. I mean, the Eagles are allowed to have good players too, and they're allowed to have guys where you know we can't stop them. Like DeMarco Murray was supposed to be that guy, where the, where the Falcons go, oh, well, you give up 100 yards, but it's to DeMarco. Well, they only give up nine yards to DeMarco Murray. So, I mean, like, you know, Julio's a very good player, but that doesn't mean he's, he's gifted 100 or whatever yards yeah, he has. Exactly.
2: And he had a great year last year, Jones. Jones had right. a tremendous – and Atlanta went 6-10. and ten. So you can let Jones have a great game and still beat them because ten teams did it last year where Jones had good games, but they lost. And, and again, when, and I hate to put it all on one thing, but if Parky makes that field goal, are we? is this whole conversation different? I don't think so. And this is what I wrote this morning was
1: last year against the Jaguars, right, in that, that game where they came back and they won by a lot towards the end. But, really, it was a close game into the fourth. I think with eight minutes to go, it was still a three-point game. Last year, you know, Foles didn't play – he played okay in the first game, but he turned the ball over. They didn't run the ball well, and the secondary looked bad. And those were three things that happened against the Jaguars. And ultimately, you know, people wrote that off because they they won a few games in a row, but they didn't make the playoffs last year. And I know it's ten wins, whatever, but they still weren't a playoff team last year. So even if they win last night, I do think it's a little different because at that point Bradford leads them back. But these are problems that killed the Eagles last year that are now problems again. So win or lose, whatever, these are problems that kept the Eagles out of the playoffs last year, and I don't think it'll keep them out of the playoffs this year, but I don't think the outcome of last night's game should have really dictated how you feel about this team in, in a large sense.
0: I agree with that. Before we, before we look ahead here to the Cowboys game, which is now a really big one, obviously with the Eagles at 0-1, coming up on Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field, before we do that, Reaction week—it's an overreaction day. That's that's kind of what happens after the first game of the year. So, from each of you, give me one thing you think is a legitimate concern moving forward, and then one thing that maybe fans should not overreact to as far as this team. Let's start with Mark. One thing that you really are concerned about, and one thing we should not overreact to.
2: All right. The first, and I hate to put it on one one nice kid, but Cody, I'm really concerned about the kicker. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've been, I covered the team a long time. I've seen great kickers or kickers that had that had great years go bad in a hurry. Alex Henry is a prime example. Alex Henry was the most accurate kicker in, in NFL history or something, right? After his first couple years. Yeah. Well, he's lost it. Now he's unemployed. Think about that. The guy at one point was most act now he's unemployed. Can't find a job. Thirty-two teams, nobody wants him. Parky went undrafted. He you know no one made a big deal about him. The, the Colts sign him, they get rid of him, the Eagles get him. He had a great rookie year. If he goes bad I've been through kicking carousels. They're not they're not fun. They're not pretty. Where you bring in, you know, kicker at a week competition, you know and um you know, he could shake it off. Maybe next week he goes out and kicks a fifty two yarder to, to win the game and beat the Cowboys and all concerns are put on hold. But as of today, you know, Tuesday morning, I'm I'm concerned about the kicker. Uh what I wouldn't overreact to is the running game. I think it'll get bad. I mean, these guys are too good. Murray, Matthews, they're not gonna go, you know, a combined eleven for thirteen every week. They're gonna this team's going to run the ball better they're, they're going to run the, they're going to run it more often they're going to run it better they're going to be they're going to be what, what we thought they were
1: well I'll, I'll start with the thing I'm not worried about and I'll say that's the running game just because I don't think there's any way the running game can be worse than it was last night and I think ultimately they will be able to run the ball I mean uh, DeMarco Murray's you know just too good uh, they have too much depth there and I do think the offensive line you know, they were able to run the ball to a certain degree last year, and I think they'll be able to do it again. So that would be one thing I wouldn't be worried about. But the thing I am concerned about, and this might not be the popular opinion to take, is Sam Bradford. I mean, look, it's a quarterback league. We talked about this all offseason. We talked about trying to get Mariota. We talked about trading Fool's. And ultimately, I don't think last night it looks like you upgraded. Now, it's just one game. It's his first game back in a long time. But Bradford has to play better than he did last night. So that's a concern of mine. Until he starts to play like the player he was, in training camp and against Green Bay, this team's not going to be the elite team we thought they could be. So that that is one thing I'm concerned about. And then the other easy one to take is the secondary, but we've talked about that at length. So I would say the one thing I'm concerned about is Bradford, and the thing I'm not concerned about is
0: the running game. All right, guys, let's turn our attention to the Cowboys game coming up Sunday. The Eagles at 0-1, the Cowboys at 1-0. Uh, it's weird to say must win at this point of a season, but this is a really big game for the Eagles to come home and bounce back against a division rival.
1: Yeah, we talked about this a bit last night. I mean it's hard to say. I mean, if you go, zero and two, you can still make the playoffs. I mean, you can still, you know, be a good team, but losing to the Falcons on on the road start season and losing to the Cowboys at home without Des Bryant. I mean, that's just, you know, record aside, whatever that just doesn't bode well for how, how this team is and how they're, you know, how good they really are. So I think it's a must win more from, from an emotional confidence standpoint than it is actually a stand in terms of actual standings. Um, they got to win. They have to win. I mean, it's at home, 4 o'clock game, you know, revenge game from last year where the Cowboys essentially knocked the Eagles out of the playoffs. It's a, it's a must-win game. And, honestly, to get back to Bradford, it's a game where you want to see how Bradford can react. Can he win a big game like this? Because it might not be a must-win, but it's certainly
2: a huge game. You know, two years ago when the Eagles made the playoffs at 10-6, they caught a lot of breaks. They played Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. They played Dallas without Tony Romo. They played um, Arizona without a couple of, of the of their key players. They played Detroit where Reggie Bush gets slips on the snow before the came and misses it. Well, that luck is starting to, to come up again. They're, they're getting Dallas without Des Bryant. Dallas without Des Bryant is like the E Street Band without Bruce Springsteen. Is, I mean, they're okay. They got some talent, but it's not. The, I'm not going to see them. I mean, I don't know who's going to – I don't know what Romo's going to do. I mean, Witten's a great tight end, and, you know, he went down the field against the Giants, and and, and bravo to him. But there are a lot – Billy Davis is going to rest a lot easier this week, not having to worry about who's covering Des Bryant and what to do with Des Bryant. You could cover – you can defend the Dallas Cowboys without you – know, a lot easier, and I I, I think – I disagree with Elliot. I, I think if the Eagles score 20 – if they play their same exact game they played last night and scored 24 points – I think they win 24-20 or whatever. I think they win.
1: I don't. I don't think so. You we think Dallas t- is going
2: to have many points? Okay. Yeah, I don't say. think the Eagles
1: win with twenty four points. It's not the way. Not the way that secondary played last night.
2: But it was again. They don't. Dallas doesn't have anybody that, that could beat them like that. I don't think. But we'll see. Yeah. That's but. But that's my take. Is that the Eagles are getting the they're getting the breaks again they getting the and and Dez might not—he might not be ready the second time they play. It'll be real close.
1: Speaking of breaks, how about Sam Bradford needing an X-ray <laughs> last night after his first game back? That I know he's been out of habit. I know he's yeah yeah. I know he's okay, but it was just you know it was like you said last night's game would have ended with Brad Bradford in the X-ray room. You know, it's just a I don't know. It just wasn't the Eagles night last night. It felt like nothing went right.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode seven of the no huddle show our eagles podcast right here on nj.com remember to follow this show on twitter at Elliot shore parks at mark eight at joe julio sports of course subscribe on itunes and on stitcher and leave us a good rating if you like the show on itunes it can only help this podcast grow we'll be with you every week as always we'll do this again next week uh mark elliott thanks for hopping in thanks for doing this safe flight home and thanks all of you for listening to the no huddle show right here on nj.com